All right, Luke chapter 11, Luke 11, verse 9. Luke 11, 9. Uh, Jesus said here, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to him who seeks finds, uh, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So the last few weeks we've been discussing the subject of desire. We've been talking about what are we looking to, what are we seeking in our lives, what are we in pursuit of, what are we living for, and when we can identify what we are, what what actually is, and then make alterations as necessary to make the desires of our heart be in line with the will and plan of God, oh, it will result in so many good things. I tell you what, if a person has the wrong desires and they are seeking after the wrong things in life, it can be very destructive. It can be very harmful to a person's life. Because listen, God designed us to where what we seek we would find. And if we're looking for it long enough, we're going to find what we're looking for. And, And if we're looking for something that is harmful, well, the desire will still be fulfilled. It'll just be harmful. And uh, it's kind of like um, a number of principles in the Word of God. You can see that they work both for the good and the bad. They work positive and negative. Does that make sense? It's kind of like what, what Jesus taught concerning the belief of our heart and the words of our mouth. How many know when He, when he gave the, the teaching about speaking to mountains and about believing that you receive... And those strong Bible faith principles, that those things work both in the positive and the negative. You can believe you receive salvation and have eternal life and a relationship with God just like that. But you know what you could also do? You could also believe and you could also speak and and bring all kinds of negativity. You can bring all kinds of destruction into your life by the words that you speak and by the content of your heart. Right, And so the principles of God's kingdom can work to benefit us or they can work to hinder us. When it comes to our desires, they can produce amazingly good things and they can also ruin our lives. And so we've got to get this thing down. We can see in the Word of God, and I want you to go to a, a few scriptures with me. First Peter chapter 2 would be uh, one of these. First Peter chapter 2. We can see throughout the Word of God that we are actually instructed... And told what to desire. I mean, obviously you can see just by that very concept and principle that what we want is up to us. And if I want something today, that doesn't mean I necessarily have to want that tomorrow. And if I acknowledge or recognize that something is good, but I don't really have a strong desire for it, that can be altered. I imagine there might be some here today that you were drugged to church. That's called a drug problem, right? <laughs> you, you, you were drugged to church. And, you know, you may have agreed to kind of put up with it. And, okay, I'll sit there. I'll listen to that. But you don't really, I mean, you just being honest, you don't really want to be here. I mean, is that, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything, but that, that's entirely possible that you're here and you don't want to be. But you might somewhere up in your, in your thinking recognize the value and the good things that can result from being a part of a local body that connects to God. 
of a church family, of a group of people that love God and love people and want to live for Him and experience His best, you might recognize that up here, but still not have a strong desire or a commitment on the inside. But you know, that can change. Recognizing that it is a valuable thing, you can begin to do things that will cause that to be ingrained inside of you until you come not out of drug, drug problem, you know, but you come out of, I want to. I really desire this. I, just like I crave a cheeseburger, you know, just like I crave a, a milkshake or, or, or something or Louisiana chicken pasta or, or something like that. Uh, you can literally desire the things of God, a relationship, his word, his spirit, his presence, the moving and flow of God through your life. I tell you what, when you experience him, there is nothing else in this world that can compare to it. There is no natural experience. There is no uh, hobby. There is no sport. There is no personal, you know, human relationship that even touches a person being connected to God. And that's the whole reason we were created. We were designed to have fellowship, have a union with our Creator. And it brings the most joy, the most satisfaction, the most fulfillment. Again, it exceeds everything else in this world. When we recognize that, man, I hope I can convince you, draw near to Him. (laughs) Come on, pull it tight. Come in close. Experience God's best and you'll never regret that you did. All right, let's read our scripture here. 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. It reads, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, he didn't say we're all babes or babies. We're all good looking, right? (laughs) He didn't say you all are babies, but he used this illustration. He said, as a baby would desire milk... And, you know, a a newborn baby, they get all their nutrients via the milk, right? Via their mom. And everything they need to to, to be sustained and to grow and to be healthy and to fight off, you know, contaminants and, and, and disease and everything, it all comes through mama's milk. And he said, as a baby does that, he said, you do this with the word of God. Desire, what? The sincere milk of the word and it seems to be implying that we should on purpose make a choice to want the very simplicity of God's revelation toward us of what he says about his love and his favor and our place in him I don't mean we have to understand exactly every end time event and we have to know who the antichrist is and we have to figure out who the you know the like the what are those guys' names in Genesis 6? The, the Nephilim and, uh, you know, all these deep things. He said, no, desire this, the sincere milk of the word and you'll grow. This is a powerful thing. Can I take a side uh, thought here for a moment? Do you know not all scriptures are equal? <laughs> Usually get silenced when you say something like that. I value the whole Bible. And every word that was spoken, it's inspired for our benefit. But you know, I'm not going to get the exact same benefit out of reading one verse as I will another. And if you think, well, how can you say that? That's blasphemy. It's all the word of God. All right, you go study the begats for a month. See if your life is better. See if you're closer to God. 
If you are, fine, you, you win. <laughs> but I doubt it. I'm telling you, there's some things that, I, I mean, should we read the whole thing? Of course, of course. But should we read some parts more? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're reading something, you go, man, I'm just not getting anything out of this. Chill. Move on to something else. I mean, ask the Lord, show me this, give me revelation, and move on. Because not all things in the Word of God are equal. They're not all the same. They don't all have the same benefit. And what happens too many times is people have been saved, they've been in church, they've read their Bible, but they've read it from a perspective that didn't have any revelation. And and people read the the history, and, and, and some say the only way to study the Bible is verse by verse. That's not true, by the way. That's a good way to study, but it's not the only way. Paul didn't do that. He pulled scriptures from the Old Testament and put his letters together and filled in the cracks. And you know what I'm talking about? I remember talking with a friend who pastors in another state, and some time ago they had some uh, some issues where uh, some people in their church got upset about something and left. And then since then, you know, that was a, a challenge, and so they had a hole. And and that, but since then, their churches started to started to really increase and grow and fill back up. And all those people that left, God's replacing them with better people. <laughs> <laughs> And more, <laughs> well, I added that, but <laughs> uh, anyway, what they were telling me is they said a bunch of these new folks that had a large number of people in their church that didn't have a background from where the others did, and he said they come, a lot of them had been a part of this other particular uh, spiritual movement. He said it was amazing, though, so a lot of them had been Christians for a while, but they knew absolutely nothing concerning what we, what we teach. They didn't know about redemption. They didn't know about covenant. They didn't know about their rights in Christ and authority of the believer and and faith in God's word and all this stuff. And I thought, that's interesting how people can be in church and be Christians for a long time and really lack the proper understanding to have a relationship with God and to walk in his fullness and his blessing. And that's entirely possible to us. This is not one of these games where we close our eyes and, and pick a scripture put our finger on the page and pick a scripture and this is what God's saying to me. No, that's just undisciplined. Study. <laughs> See, we should desire the sincere milk of the word. There's some basics that we all need to want. And how many know, even if you're not a babe, baby, um, you still need fluid. <laughs> even if you've been a Christian for a long time, even if you know the word of God, you, you might say, I'm ready for some steak. But you might want a little milk to help out wash it down, right? We always, always, always have a desire for the milk of God's Word. Think about it. Is it possible to literally crave what God says just like we would crave, uh, you know, pasta or something? It it absolutely is. You You could feel a need for it like, oh, I'm hungry. You want to go eat? Yes, I need some Bible. I need some words from God. And when those desires are real and you feed them, they get stronger and you feed them and good things happen. And so we can make a choice. We can see that desire is a choice. We can set our desire. It's a choice that we make. We set our desire on the word of God. You know, in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 29, uh, David said, because I have set my affections on, on the house of God, I have given to the house of my God. Now think about that. David said, because I have set my affections. 
In other words, it wasn't something that he just woke up with one day and he went, whoop, I love the house of God. No, he, on purpose, as an act of his will, took his affections and put them there. You know, there was another time where he set his affections on something else. She was bathing on the roof over there, right? That kind of got him into a lot of trouble. You, put, you see, we can set our affections on whatever we choose. He set his affection on the house of God. It caused him to, to live a certain way and do certain things. Go to 1 Corinthians 12 with me. Just a left turn from where you're at. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm reading from the New King James Bible. If you're not familiar, if our, if our words in our Bibles are not aligning exactly, different translations come from the same Greek manuscripts. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, notice verse 31. It reads, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show a more excellent way, which is love. But, but notice what he said. Earnestly what? Desire the best gifts. See, we're told specifically what we should desire. What do you pursue in your, in your life? What are you looking for? We're to desire the sincere milk of the word. Well, why? It'll cause you to grow. He said here, you, we should desire the best gifts. If you look at the 14th chapter, now, chapter 14, verse 1, it reads, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. So we should desire spiritual gifts and that we should prophesy or speak by inspiration of God. Okay? So can, can, am I supposed to want these things? This is real interesting. We're told to want them. Not just, oh yeah, that's a nice desire. That's a good thing. You'd be okay with that. No, we're directed specifically to desire the sincere milk of the word. We're told specifically to desire spiritual gifts. Yeah. Do you think God has in mind that, he would, that we would set our heart on these things, that we would desire them for our lives, and then he would restri- restrict us from operating in them or using them? Or we, he would tell us, desire this, want this, pursue this, but I might not give it to you. I mean, that's a good way to frustrate some people. I mean, that's the hope deferred makes the heart sick right there. No, God tells us what to want because he is looking for a way to produce strong, stable people. Produce people who are spiritual, who are powerful, who have gifts of him flowing through their lives. And that's why he tells us, you've got a lot of options in this world. And in our day and age, we have more options than ever to occupy our time, to occupy our mind. That's why he says, put your mind on this. Set your affection and your heart on this. And when these things start operating through you, ooh, you'll be glad, 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 glad that you did. Another verse that says almost the same thing, but in chapter 14, verse 39, says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Desire earnestly to what? Prophesy. So I haven't really pursued that at all. I don't really have a strong desire. Well, hopefully today will help. So what am I supposed to want? You're supposed to want to speak by inspiration of God to where your words are not your own. They're coming from Him. And all the gifts, whether we're talking about the 
utterance gifts where you speak. We're talking about power gifts like gifts of healings and working of miracles and special faith. Whether we're talking about revelation gifts like a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. And God showing you things that you could never know in a natural way. He said you should want that. And really, he wasn't just talking to one person. He's talking to the whole church at Corinth. He would, say just, he would say to our church, you guys, you should want these things. You should desire these things. I have a feeling that God desires them. But his desire to accomplish what he wants to do is restricted and hindered by people's lack of interest in what's important. And we have gotten so caught up in the interests and things and the other things of this world that the things of God, those things that matter most, those things that produce the best results have gotten pushed away and we haven't set our heart on these things for a long time, if ever. But we can. So how do I do that? Talk to him about it immediately when I'm done. Talk to him about it. Say, Lord, I see this. I want to want this. I choose to set my heart on, to set my desire and my affection on things that matter to you. And watch it it begin to change. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so, if you understand the context of this, someone said, that sounds almost selfish. Well, actually, that's the opposite. Because the gifts of the Spirit are not for just an individual personal benefit. The gifts of the Spirit are for the profit of all. Therefore, the benefit of other people. For a, for a believer to desire that God would work through them to minister and help and speak to and lift up and encourage and heal and bless and all these. Another person, man, that's a very godly thing. This is a wonderful desire. This is, a, this is something that God wants to do in each of our lives, okay? Well, what should we avoid? If, if we're told what to desire, and we can talk a long time about that, what should we not desire? Are there things we're told not to seek after? Absolutely, there are. There are scriptures. Let me give you a few examples. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, you're, you're pretty close there. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 24. 10, 24. It reads, let no one seek, see that language? His own, but each one the other's well-being. What am I not supposed to seek in life? What am I not supposed to pursue? My own, myself, my life. What, 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 what concerns me. But I am supposed to set my desire, set my affection, and pursue that which benefits somebody else. Uh, understand the way of the, the laws of the kingdom of God, and, and that is, it's not that God wants us to do without, or be without, or have lack in any way, but He wants us to approach the abundance of His provision and His blessing by seeking the well-being of somebody else. That is how he gets it to us. There is a way of the world. Listen, and if I desire something strong enough and I want it enough, I'm going to go after it, but probably not God's way. I'll seek it and I'll make it happen. I may have to lie, steal, cheat. I may have to be crooked. I may have to sell myself out to something. But I can get what I want. But God says, I would really like you to have it. I really want this to be in your life, but don't seek it. Seek the well-being of others. Feed on the Word, desire the gifts of the Spirit, and seek the well-being of others. And now you're in position where God can pour out. And now things can really flow in your life. He said, he said you should not seek your own. You know, a couple other verses along these lines. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says that love does not seek its own. 
It does not seek its own. Philippians 2.21, Paul wrote to these guys and said, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And so they had a problem back in their day. What was it? Selfishness. Self-centered focus. Where everyone was looking for their own, looking out for their own self. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was harmful. It didn't, doesn't produce the desired results. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go over there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is one of these things that really hits home to folks in our country. 1 Timothy 6. And it's one that is not often avoided by ministers that have revelation like, like I do and like many, many of you do because of the overabundance over the years of, of poverty teaching, the abundance of teaching that, that where, where people believe that God wants you to just barely scrape by and do without. And, and it's just so ungodly and unbiblical that a lot of us, we don't, we don't want to talk about these scriptures because it seems to feed into that, that mindset that keeps people limited. All right. Nevertheless, it's still here, so let's talk about it for a moment because it really fits right in with our, with our dis- discussion of what we should desire. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, it reads, But those who desire to be rich, they what? Desire to be rich. Now, is rich bad? Is desire to be rich bad? Yes. Did I catch some of you there? <laughs> Let's practice again. Is rich bad? No. Many Bible verses promise us riches. Riches is in the hand of wisdom. Jesus was made poor that we might be made rich. A lot of scriptures we deal with at other times. Rich is bad? No. Desire to be rich bad? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says here. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and they snare. This is why it's, it's, it's bad. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's some strong language here. I'm drowning. <laughs> I mean, destruction, perdition, harmful lusts. And, uh, you know, and he goes on to say, for the love of money is the, root of, is, is the root of all evil. It's not evil. It's just the love of it is. It's when someone sets their love, sets their heart, sets their desire on riches, they really get into trouble. And that almost seems to be a contradiction with all the promises that God would help us and provide for us and be our provision and, and cause us to prosper in all we put our hands to. But it's not. This is the unique plan and way of God that we would set our desire on something else and arrive at this we would set our affection on things that are better the word the spiritual stuff the gifts of the spirit the word of god not ourselves somebody else and then in the midst of that pursuit god would be able to bless us exceedingly i think we all understand that that's pretty simply said it's easy to explain but we live in a time and a day in our country where the reality is many of us have to deal with this because we live all day long in the pursuit of something else. And it's not something spiritual, it's something natural. It's something physical, it's something material. And we live for it and pursue it and think about it all day long. And instead of praying about it, putting it in the hands of God, and then going after kingdom things and our relationship with God, we let it stay as the center and the focus of our lives. Say, is it possible for someone to make a lot of money and still just desire God? Absolutely. In fact, it's supposed to happen that way. It really is. 
But we've got to watch our hearts. And you can see many people have such a strong desire for riches that they sacrifice the more important things in life to get them. Everybody with me? So are you wanting me to think about myself? Yes. <laughs> that's, what, that, that, that's what we're doing here. We need to analyze to see, are we sacrificing, are we giving up things in life? Let me say it this way, the things I'm speaking of are those of more importance. Are we giving up things of greater importance because even though we would say, I'm not in love with money, but yet our actions demonstrate different. I mean, how many people, they, I mean, it works out in this way. They work so many, they work extra jobs and they work so many hours, not because they're fighting to survive, but, but, they're, but they, they need the next thing. And they've got to maintain a standard at a certain point. That standard is not evil. God will raise you to that standpoint. Everybody understand where I'm going here? But they've got, and so they work themselves to the bone. Their kids are, are without parents. They're, 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 seldom in, they're seldom in church because they've got money now and I've got to make more money and I don't have time. And once I do have time, I've got to spend my money on those new toys I bought or spend my time, my money and my time on those new toys. And so you can see the things of God get put in a back shelf, uh, on the back shelf, and they're no longer filled with the fullness of God. And that kind of, listen, how can I have a relationship with him that is real, that's powerful, it's dynamic, and, and, and yet I'm so full of the things of this world, I'm so full of a desire just for more stuff and, and greater riches that I'm not satisfied with my relationship with him. If you are not satisfied with your relationship with God, it is not what you think it is. If I'm not absolutely thrilled to, to know that I can be in a, a union with the Lord, that I can be in fellowship with God, that I can experience His peace, His blessing, His joy every day of my life, then I am much less connected to Him than I might claim. This can get so good. Mm, this can get so good you can hardly stand it. This can get so good that you don't care one iota about the things of this world, about natural life. It's like, whatever. Lord's blessing me with stuff, but I couldn't give a rip about it, about the natural things, because he's all I want. He's all I need. He's everything. He's everything. And God can really be that way in our lives. He is that good. You know, in, in the Old Testament, let me finish up with a couple things, but in Deuteronomy 23 and verse 6, they were told there not to seek the peace and prosperity of the Ammonite or the Moabite. They were told, don't seek them. Don't seek their peace. Don't seek their prosperity. They were told to have their focus and get their stuff from God. Is everybody with me in this? In Genesis 14, why don't you look at that with me? Genesis 14. See, this is all the way back there, you know, the beginning. Well, the Genesis, I know Genesis lasted thousands of years, but back there at the beginning, get an eternal perspective. In Genesis 14, Abram, this is before he became Abraham through the covenant with God. Abram uh, took his 300 trained servants. Abram, was, by the way, was a very wealthy person. And uh, he went to battle and 
well, we want to pick up this story in, in verse 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Take the goods. In other words, they cleaned out this city. That's kind of how they prospered sometimes in those days. Let's go get their stuff. Uh, but, but Abraham, but Abram said, verse 22, to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I think that's quite a statement, quite a commitment. I have raised my hand to the Lord, and I'm not going to have the reputation in life that I'm rich because of you. I'm not going to have the reputation that I've got all my stuff because I took it from you. He wanted everyone to know that it is the Lord who blesses him. It is the Lord where his wealth comes from, where, where his help comes from. And, and so and he had an opportunity to just clean up, add to his resources, to get all the stuff from this city. He said, no, you take it. I wonder how many times where we would just not look at it that way. We'd say, well, hey, I mean, it's here. This is the blessing of God. I mean, we wouldn't want to discriminate against where it came from. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to cut off, cut off God's, God's blessing in my life by not receiving it from this particular source or in this opportunity. Whereas, whereas uh, the Lord wants us, apparently he had this, this level of commitment where the thing received is not as important as where it came from and how it came. Do you know God is not opposed to us having things he's not opposed to us having many material and natural blessings you know what he is opposed to getting it the wrong way and getting it for the wrong reason it's how it came it's where it came from and if we will get these things in God by pursuing him and raising our hand to the Lord most high being committed to him and then let him bring things into our life then we're laughing and he's laughing, it's all good, and, and, there, and there's no hindrance whatsoever. You know, in, in the New Testament, there, there's this language, well, both covenants, actually, there, there's, there's a word that's used, it's, it's, um, it's called covet, or covetousness, all right? Let me ask you this, is, is covet, the word covet, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Huh? We have division in the house. Well, all by itself, well, it's like this. Well, let me ask you this. Is money good or bad? Yeah, you're afraid to answer. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on what it's used for. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Is the word covet? Well, co- covet simply means to yearn, to possess, or have something. If you yearn for something, you desire to possess something, is that good or bad? It depends. We're told to desire, in fact, some translations, those verses about spiritual gifts and prophecy, it uses the word covet. It says covet earnestly the best gifts. So to covet something, it's not bad. It's not evil of itself. It depends on what it's set on. When it comes to our desire and us coveting something, it can be very good. It can be very harmful. And oftentimes it's used as well in the scriptures as a negative. Jesus um, told us in Luke 12, 15, he said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. 
And so he said, watch out for it, dude. (laughs) Watch out for covetousness. That is not what your life is about. That is not what your life consists of. And you've got to be aware that this can be a very harmful thing. You know, what we desire outside of God is our greatest hindrance to walking with and experiencing Him. What do you want in life? What have you set your heart on? What are you pursuing? It can lead you into greater things and better things, or it can lead you directly away from God. It can lead you into a place where you pray and nothing happens. And that's never supposed to happen. Never did God tell you half your prayers will get answered, or zero like most people. Hmm. He said all of them would. All. A-double-L. But so many times we have set so many things between us and the Lord. We've got so many things that are in the way and nothing's good is happening. Nothing godly is going on. Nothing of a spiritual nature and a spiritual value is taking place in our life. And it's not always sin. I think most of us can recognize sin. I have a friend who at one point in his life, he was so into fishing. He loved fishing. There's nothing wrong with fishing. I'm sure we've got quite a few fisher guys here. Fisher gals. Uh, here in, 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 the, in, in the service today. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he got so full of fishing that he said that's all he could think about. It would interrupt his, his life. It would interrupt his thought life. And everything he was doing was all about getting back to the lake. Got to get back to the lake. He just became so consumed with it that in his life he finally had to cut it off. Was it sin? Well, it became that to him. It became that, not in and of itself it wasn't, but it became that in his life because it took such a strong place of priority and he desired it so much. And then what do you have to do? You cut those things off, get things shifted right, and, and let God bless you again. Amen. So whatever it is you desire more than God, I take a look at that. Let's refocus, readjust. Let's get our desires set on him and watch God do amazing things. Amen. In fact, let's do that now. Let's do this intentionally. Let's set our hearts. Let's set our minds. Let's intentionally put our focus and our affection on Him. Father, we're so thankful today for Your faithfulness, for Your love. We're thankful for all things of You. Lord, Your Word, we desire it. We set our affection, we set our hearts on You. Lord, the moving of Your Spirit the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, all these things, we set our heart and mind only on You. We draw close, and You draw close to us. Lord, we fix our gaze. We shut out the things of this world. We draw ourselves away from the things that would distract and be a hindrance to our relationship with You. We fix our eyes on you today. We love you, Lord. We worship you. And we praise you. Thank you, Lord.